0: Hey, it's good to be here. That's cool. All right, love you guys.
1: Well, I'm excited to be here, and I will not be speaking tonight. He is going to speak tonight, but Uh-oh. I just want to greet you and say that we're just thrilled to be back here with you in Vancouver. We love the city. We love coming here. We love your pastors. They're just amazing people, and we've just had the privilege of getting to know them over the last few years. And we travel all over. We see a lot of people. We see a lot of churches. And a lot of churches need a lot of help, but we're, we're really blessed when we come to a church where we just see pastors that really are doing a great job and really love their people and really are endeavoring to be the best that they can be in all that they do. And we really see that here. So we just appreciate you guys and Amen. what you're doing. Amen.
0: Good place. And
1: blessed. We're very, very thankful. And my husband's going to preach tonight. He just wrote a book, and it's an amazing book. And this topic is awesome. I actually heard him teach this message at the OBFF conference we just hosted about what a month ago. And I'm being very honest when I say this; it was one of the best messages I've ever heard. It was just amazing. Coming from my my wife, that's good. (laughs) So I believe the anointing that was at that conference is going to be here tonight. It's just an awesome word, and so I just pray you have a a great time and just receive all God has for you, but hang on to your seats. People talk about him as um, trying to get a drink of water from a fire hose. (laughs) He just lets it out, so God bless you.
0: Amen. Thank you. Thank you. A couple of things. I hope this is okay. Bill, uh, when he was introducing you tonight, and I just got to meet you for just a moment, and I just got to share what I believe God's saying for your life. I see with silos. I'm not from the farming community, so silos where they put grain and all these here things, and I didn't see just one. And I also heard the word Joseph, and I believe that God's brought you to this here house, and I believe you're going to be releasing even a greater spirit of favor upon this here house. That word is going to just carry through within, and so that's what I believe God wants me to say to you tonight. Amen? I'm honored to be here with uh, your pastors. I always believe this here very, very strongly. If we as leaders, it's not working in our families, then there's a block somewhere in the spirit. And when you see Matthew, you see Jen, you see Lacey, you see Chelsea and their spouses, and now you got your first grandchild, okay, going in the right ways of God, that is a sign of healthy leadership because if we fail to get it to the generations, we failed the whole purpose of God. See, God is a generational God. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, the God of Jacob, and the God of your fathers. Everything God sees in his timing and his seasons also is always in generations, one after the next. And the most amazing thing is it gets stronger in the lineage in the days to come. Just like in the negative, uh, the God of Abraham, how many know Abraham had a little problem with lying? He said, this is, my w- uh, this is my sister. Well, how many know in truth it was his half-sister, but it wasn't his sister, it was his wife. Come on. Yeah. But how many know that it got to the next generation with Isaac and the first king that we see of Mimelech over there. We see that he, the King James translated, he saw them sporting. I'm trying to figure this here out. He had a guest house in his palace and he had a room where he could look in to see the couple's. Okay, without cameras, but anyway, we'll, we'll leave that. But, but how many know he saw them sporting is with the King James? We'll just keep that. And, uh, but but how many know he had lied also? By the time it got to Jacob's generation, he was a scoundrel, and it got stronger. So in the negative, we can see what it can do, but in the positive, godly heritage going in from generation to generation, it just gets better and better and better. And everybody said, amen. amen. Are you ready for the Word of God tonight? Yeah. I wrote a new book, and it's called "The Secret of Kingdom Life." How many know? How many know we live in the kingdom of God? Okay, and God has the kingdom. Is that not right? And it's made with kingdom subjects. If there's kingdom subjects, then how many know there's also kingdom authority? There's also op, there's also laws that go into operation. And I wrote this here book, and it's called "The Secret of Kingdom Life." And if you notice here, it's got a keyhole here. Now, some of the keys that we use today are swipe things, and but back in my day, they had the keys, and they put the keys in there. And if you notice in where the little key is, there's a principle, but there's all kingdom life. Um, I, I'm, I'm a guy that's getting used to the computers. Okay, I was not raised with a computer, and I remember my son coming to me many years ago, and he said, "He said, Dad, you got to get with it. You got to get with it." I said, "Son, I, I'm just not into that." Because he, he went to Toronto Business College and he's got his degrees in computers. He says, "Dad, you got to learn the computer." He says, "I'll help you." Well, see, he's on staff with me, so so anyway, so he started sharing, and I'm used to writing out my messages, and after I'd write them out, I have pretty much a photogenic mind, and I could remember when I see it. Okay, all the thoughts and everything else, that's why I can preach oftentimes without notes because I can remember it when I write it down. So I would get there and I'd be working, you know, for three, four hours and I'd be getting it all and then I hit a button and it would, all of a sudden the thing would disappear. And it's like, I would just get so frustrated with that whole thing. Come on now, anybody else? But you know what? How many know today with one button I can uh, effectively communicate with 511 active members today in my network? I can email, I can do all the stuff that I wanted, but we had to learn it. In the same respect, this is what I have learned. And I want you to go in your Bible for a moment to the book of Psalm 100, if everybody could go there. How many know we live in a society today that everything has passwords, it has passcodes? Can anybody relate with it? I have a program in my computer right now. And this program is called M-Secure. Now, Pastor Dave, I know you do a fair amount of traveling too. Have you ever went to the, uh, the Marriott and you have Marriott Rewards card, but you, don't, you didn't bring the card? Okay. In this M-Secure document, this file, it has every bit of information on my entire life. It's got every savings account. It's got it has got my checking account. It's got my RSPs. It's got my health plan. It's got every one of the frequent flyer hotels that I stay at. It's got every one of the it's got the Hilton Gold. It's got my platinum with the Delta card. It's got everything on there. And if I ever forget the number. All I got to do is I got to hit that M secure, put in its pass secured, put in the passcode that only myself knows. And then guess what? Every bit of information I could possibly know, my citizenships, my, my passport, my nexus card, everything, it's all in here. Well, let me tell you something today. God also has a passcode. And if you understand, has anybody ever lost the number to try to get into an account? Has anybody, let me say lost, anybody ever forgotten the number to get into the account? How many have ever been frustrated because you have forgotten the passcode? Okay, so you go and you put it in. So say yours, and we'll just use this. Say yours is 5555. Now that's not a good passcode to use. But say you forgot your passcode, how many know the result of forgetting is frustration? In the same respect, God's Word, and I want you now to go to Psalm 100, and I want you to see this, because if you see this, it's going to help you, and it's going to change your life. And everybody said, okay, I'm going to read this here out of the Message Bible for you tonight. And when you hear this, I want you just to look at it, And I want you to get a hold of this here. He says, on your feet now, applaud God, bring a gift of laughter. This is the message. Sing yourselves into his presence. Know this, God is God. And God, God, he made us. We didn't make him. We're we're his people, his well-tended sheep. Now he says in verse number four, he uses this here word. He says, enter. Come on. How many have in your Bible? Enter. Enter his gates with what? Thanksgiving, right? The message Bible brings it up and he says, enter with the password, thank you. The password to all those secret files, the password to the abundant life, the password to peace and harmony, the password to a healthy marriage, the password to healthy relationship, the password to all the benefits of the cross of Jesus Christ is all locked up. In gratitude. And if you understand this here principle out here, we're going to be hitting some things... In just a moment, when it says "enter," it means to come, uh, to, to, to come or go into. It means to be admitted into. If you want to come into the life in the fullness, everything that God has. See, I've noticed in many Christians' life, there's oftentimes prophetic words that are released over their life. But then, what happens is, from the time the release to the time of fulfillment, there's a season inside. When you understand the times of God, and you understand the seasons of God, then you can come in line with the will of God for your life. Many Christians abort oftentimes the plan of God because they get a little bit impatient for what it is that they want to see happening. Now, now I've learned this here in my journey. I've learned this here, that if the password is gratitude, then ingratitude is the password that invokes hell's work in our life amazingly, listen to this here. Do you know what the word ingratitude actually means? I actually have it written down here so I could just give you the definition. How many would like to hear what ingratitude actually means? Okay. Ingratitude out of Webster's Dictionary, it means this here, forgetfulness. Ingratitude means forgetfulness. Forgetfulness. How many people come to Christ, they get born again, they get filled with the Holy Spirit, they understand the principles, they get a foundation laid right, they're nourished, they're there, and, and then over a period of time in their life, they forget things in their journey. They forget about their first love. Remember how, Paul, how, how the apostle John had to speak about, return back to your first love. Okay, to the, and he said that to the church at Ephesus, to the church at Laodicea. They had become, it's called lukewarm. The word lukewarm means tepid. And, and tepid speaks about, listen, loss of force or loss of enthusiasm. Enthusiasm means passion. It speaks of, it's from the Greek word uh, en, which means full of, and theos, God. Uh, Enthusiasm speaks of full of God. And here was some people that had become tepid. They had lost their force in the spirit. They had lost their thrust of enthusiasm for God. And they just became just nominal. Well, God's never called us to be just nominal. He's called us to be extraordinary. He's called us to be like him in this here world. And everybody said... Now, here's what I'm going to teach you tonight. This isn't even in the book, Pastor Dave. This is the newest part. This is the next chapter for the next one I'm going to write. In the spiritual realm, there is a law of attraction that is out there. If gratitude is the password that attracts God, ingratitude attracts the demonic to your life. And when God began to show me this here, it it, it just began. Now, now this is what I, I want you to understand. The Bible tells us in 1 John chapter 5 that the whole world lieth in the sway of the evil one. Is that correct? What does that mean? They're under the control of the demonic that is out there. But he says, but the evil one toucheth us not. In other words, in the spiritual realm, as a believer, we live in a fallen world. We live in a world that Satan is the God of this here world. And those that are listening to him are under his sway. They're under his control. But in the spiritual realm, there is a barrier of the blood of the Son of God that protects us and keeps us in the spiritual realm so that we can do kingdom business here. So the enemy is always trying to get us into his sway. Because if he can get us into his sway, then he can deceive us. And then we can lose our authority in the spirit realm. Now this is what God began to show me. He says, the whole world lieth in the sway of the wicked one. In other words, over around this whole region... There are powers of darkness. The Bible says uh, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this world, wicked spirits in high places. How many know that? And here's what God showed me. He said where there's believers and there's an attitude of gratitude and thanksgiving that goes up, it literally opens up the heavens around them, penetrates right through everything of hell, and goes directly to the throne of grace. And he says literally the angels can now come down. The person of the Holy Spirit now can get activated inside your life. Answers to prayers can be sped up. Why? Because if Jesus could actually call for legions of angels at any time, how many know as he is, so are we in this present world? So there are angels that are out there on assignment. And according to Hebrews 1.14, are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to you and I who are the heirs of salvation? So angels hearken according to the scriptures unto the voice of the Lord. So when you and I speak forth, I am not telling you to chase after angels. But what I am telling you is when the portholes are opened up, angels can come down. Angels can go up and down and have free course to accomplish the will of God for your life. And if you understand this in the spiritual realm, it will bring you into another whole dimension of everything that God has for your life. In other words, when when gratitude is there, it sanctifies the entire region. It sanctifies a marriage. It sanctifies a church. It sanctifies the atmosphere for the Holy Spirit to come in. Every time gratitude goes up, it is a scent. The New Covenant says it is a sweet aroma that actually goes up into the nostrils of God. In the same respect, if you understand anything about sense in the spiritual realm. Okay, let's use this here for an example. A shark. A shark actually, if there's blood in the water, a shark with its sensing aspect of smell can effectively within minutes after blood goes into the water, within a quarter of a mile, it can pick up that scent that is in the water and it'll travel with the current that will take it right to its prey. Within a mile, it can pick up the scent, but it doesn't have the accuracy to hit it. So when it gets closer, it is the more that it can pick it up. I studied this out and I found out a bear... Actually, can pick up the scent of a dead carcass with blood up to 20 miles away and can actually go on a So, in the same respect, if there's natural laws of sense that go up, there's actually spiritual laws of sense that go up. And in the, in the positive sense, when gratitude is there, see, see what happens oftentimes in a marriage. How many know you have children, and then, and then how many know there's cares, and how many know there's bills, and how many know there's responsibilities, and, and, and how many know oftentimes there's challenges that hit marriages. But if we ever lose the gratefulness for that their spouse, then how many know ingratitude will actually invoke the demonic into our life? And 58%, listen carefully. I work with E21, Empowerment 21, and it's tracking what the Holy Spirit's saying to the 21st century church. They're telling us now that 58% of believers today, Christians today, do not even believe in Satan, do not even believe in demonic. So right there you got almost 60% of the church world that doesn't understand this, and they're activating spiritual law, and they're not even aware of it. So what the enemy does is he tries to bring us to the place of discontentment, and out of discontentment comes this attitude. If you want to call it, of ingratitude. So ingratitude speaks of forgetfulness. It speaks of a poor return for the kindness that is received. How many know what Jesus did on the cross was an amazing feat for you and I? How many know it was an amazing work what he did? You never have to question the love that God has for you. All you got to do is look at the cross, and you'll see the love that he has and the commitment that he had. And understand this, no devil took his life. No demon took his life. He willingly laid down his life, but he kept that attitude of gratitude always way because why? Even at the point when, when they were ridiculing him and mocking him, how many know he said, Father, forgive them? Why? Because his relationship with the Father never got out. God showed me this, he says, Ingratitude causes a spiritual abortion of every good thing that God has for your life, it cuts it off. Before it's given the time to produce and to birth and to bring that life into your life. He said ingratitude is a paralyzing force that ruins marriages, that ruins families, that ruins churches and relationships. And it actually has the ability to immobilize the thrust of the vision in a whole church. And what I've recognized in tracking this year, looking back over my years in ministry, i got almost 40 years now in active ministry, and I've watched places that were just just excelling and just taking off. And, and, And there was love in the church, and there was faith in the church, and there was fruit in the church, and the church was growing, and there was hope in the church. And then I saw some people that forgot about the time they came to Christ. And they forgot about coming to church is not about what we can get out of the service, but what we can give to God as a sacrifice of praise. And I found out when, when, when people come just to get and not to give, I so appreciate that brother and his zeal today that was up here about really the kingdom business is all about serving people. It's all about, listen, not just hearing about needs, but finding it, and then just, just putting ourselves to it. King Rehoboam, actually, when he took over the succession from his daddy Solomon, when his daddy had passed, he, he said, and this is key for leadership everywhere you go today. He said he brought the younger advisors, in, and then he brought the older advisors. And when he brought the older advisors, they had seen Solomon rise to the epitome of success and the expansion of his kingdom, but they also saw the cracks of deterioration that came in. And they brought all these older men that had seen his daddy and sat in his council chambers and advised them. And this is, what, this is what they said to him. They said, King, if you will be a servant to this people. How many know that kind of sounds like the words that Jesus spoke? He said, you want to be the greatest in the kingdom, then become the servant of all. See, so, you know, I, I'm going to just say it right now, okay? I was totally happy. I was totally fulfilled catching in the church that I came out when people would have prayer lines. I was totally fulfilled and totally happy when I had to set up the book table at the Catholic Charismatic meeting where I gave my life to Jesus. I was totally fulfilled, totally happy when when, when they gave me the opportunity to set up the 300 and some chairs in the gymnasium so that the people had a place to sit. And and, and I was totally happy then. I didn't look for anything. All I wanted to do was serve in any way that I could. Next thing I know, the leaders are coming up to me, and they're saying, they're saying Ricky, they say, we feel strongly that you need to be teaching in this place. I said, I don't know anything about teaching. I'm just happy. Leave me alone in what I'm doing. They said, Ricky, we really believe that you're supposed to help with the youth. I said, no, no, I don't want to go there. I am happy where I'm at. And they kept saying this to me, and, and leader after leader after leader kept coming up. And finally, I said, what is it you people want? I said, you're seeing something in me. I don't, I don't understand what you're talking about. You want me to teach kids? You want me to take the youth ministry over? So is that kind of like a youth leader? Wait, I didn't even know what pastors were. I came out of the Catholic church. All we had was priests back then. And so anyway, to make a long story short, they said, yeah, we want you to lead them. And next thing I know, I took a dozen kids. And next thing I know, the group's going to 50 and 60. And next thing I know, it's just growing all over the place. And I'm teaching these kids things. And and I'm saying, like, God, I don't feel like I'm, 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 I don't understand all these here things. I don't know anything. And here you got me in a position teaching these youth. But see, what I learned is if you position yourself through serving, God's will will accomplish what it wants. But we're not looking for that. We're looking to serve him and to come into agreement with him. And when we come into agreement with that, the second thing that he said to Solomon's advisors that were there that came into Rehoboam, he said, King, be a servant to them. And the second thing he says, pay attention to them. He said, literally, the King James says, answer them. But the word answer them means pay attention See, I love it when I see team builders working together. I love it when I see these group of leaders that is here on this here Thursday night all coming out together to learn and to be instructed. That's a wise leader that's training his leaders and bringing people in to impart to leaders. Because listen, listen very carefully, is there's needs in your departments. And those needs in your department are very, very important. And leadership will listen to the inner circle, leadership will listen to what's coming out from those different departments. You know, one of the things that I hear all over the country is that, you know, we can't keep children's church workers. And so when I go in, when I go into churches, I'll ask them this year a question. Why are your workers quitting? Why do you have such a big turnover? They say, oh, we really don't know. So I'll ask them a question. I said, how long are your services? And they say, well, we go about two and a half, three hours. I said, you go two and a half to three hours on a Sunday for a service in there? And you got workers that got to be there a half hour to 45 minutes early to set up? And then when the ones are strolling down and they're in the bookstore and they're out there fellowshipping with their friends and they come in another half hour later to pick up their kids? So you're telling me your people are there three to three and a half hours? You're not going to keep them. How many could say good leaders listen to those other leaders that are there? And they strategize, and they plan, and he gets the vision, she gets the vision. Come on, church. But then how many know the others ones come along, but we all work together on the team to see the whole thing come? I've realized this here that when frustration comes in to a leadership, when there's frustration, that means something in there needs to change. Something needs to be adjusted, and here's what it could be. It could be attitude. And if the attitude of gratitude is lost, then that needs to change so the success could come out. The last thing that Rehoboam was given by these older men, he said, King, be a servant to them, pay attention with them, work with them, listen, connect. But the third thing he said was, was speak well over them. What does that mean? How many know every one of us in this room needs to be encouraged? How many know every one of us needs to be strengthened? So so what do we do? When you show appreciation to those people that work in your departments and work in that area, and the greeters are here, and, and people are letting know that we are so happy that you are here this day. We're so glad to see you. How's the family? Look at the little Johnny. Look at the little Susie. Look at the little one. In, in, in the welcoming room that we have, you know, every weekend you see families that are coming in. And, and you know what? I, I am just as concerned about the little kids and their names as I am the parents' name. And so oftentimes you want to just talk to the parents. But if that child had a good experience at the church, I'll tell you what, it won't be an issue getting, getting the parents back the next week. But children need to be just as valued as the parents in the church. Are you all there? So we speak good words over them, and we get to know little John, and we get to know little Susie. And and then we put things in there for them to come into. Are you learning anything now? Now that you got all that, I'm just about ready to start. Okay. So what does gratitude do? It opens up the portholes. Is that not right? What does ingratitude? It blocks Everything that God has. Now, church, listen, I want you to go to Colossians with me. Everybody to turn to the book of Colossians. And I want to show you something about this here church where the Apostle Paul prayed for this here church. And when he prayed for this church, it was a powerful prayer that he prayed. Now, look what he says over here in chapter 1. He says, I'll start in verse number 3. He says, our prayers for you. I'm going to, let me just change this. What our translation to use, Pastor Dave? New King James? Okay, New King James. Let's go to the New King James. Okay? So notice what he says in 3. We give thanks to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. Come on, church. How many know good leaders pray for their congregation? Listen, as all department heads, home group leaders, the success... And the influence and the connection of what you're going to have in the meeting is just like what Pastor Dave did earlier. It's just the prayer times you're going to have before they come. And when that prayer goes up, so many people can program things very well and do a great job in that. But if the prayer isn't going up in there, we're not going to be hitting the needs that the people have. So he goes on and he says, Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of your love for all the saints. How many would say Coastal Church has a lot of faith? Can you say amen? How many would say coastal church has a lot of love? Why do you say that? Because your leaders is our visionaries, they're men and women of faith, and they got a lot of love inside. Okay so hang on listen to what he says over here so he goes on and says because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven of which you have heard in the in the word of the truth of the gospel which comes to you and it has also in all the world and is bringing forth fruit now hang on for just a moment here's a church that's operating in faith here's a church that's operating in love Here's a church that's running with the blessed hope. They have a confident expectation that something good is happening in their midst. Every time they come together, every time the small groups happen, that's what's happening. And here's a church that's bringing nations together and it's bringing forth good fruits. How many could say at this time the church at Coloss was doing pretty good? Are you there? If you got men and women of faith, you got men and women with love, you got people with hope in there, they're not depressed people, they're hopeful people, and you got people bringing forth fruit. How many would say that church is doing good? That describes Coastal. Hang on. Look what he says over here. As it is also among you since the day you heard it and knew the grace of God in truth, as you also learned from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf, who also declared to us your love in the Spirit. So not only, listen very carefully, did Paul hear from outsiders, now the insiders are saying the same thing. Look at the next verse. Here's the key. For this reason... The King James, I believe, says, for this cause. Oh, hang on. Wait a minute. What do you mean for this reason? Because everything was going well in the church. Come on. Everything was on the up in the church for this reason or for this cause. Notice what Paul prays. He says in 9, since the day we heard it, we do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will. Hang on. Paul's praying now for this church at Collis that's doing so well. Let me tell you what I've noticed in my 40 years of ministry. When things are going well, there's a little bit of tendency just to let down our guard. There's a little bit of tendency just to try to coast. There's a little bit of tendency just, just, just to let down a little bit in the guard, let down a little bit in the spiritual warfare, let down a little bit, just a little bit. Come on. And Paul says, for this cause, for this reason, I want you to be filled with the knowledge of his will. Now, I don't have time to develop this whole aspect of this here right now, but this is what I can tell you over here about the will of God. Everything that you will do for God in his kingdom and every reward that you will ever have laid up for you in all eternity will be directly determined by you being in the center of the perfect will of God for your life. The will of God is the most, to me, is the most important thing in my entire life. I don't want to be, you know, people tell me, they says, well, why don't you have a heart for the nations? I says, I do. God's bringing the nations into the church. They said, why don't you travel here, and we want you to come over. to. We want you over here in Africa. We want you over here in in Central America. We want you over here in South. We want you over here. We want you there, and we want you there. And I said, well, really, I really appreciate everything you're saying, but I believe the center of the will of God for my life is to come along and strengthen and help churches in Canada. And and, and when I'm there, there's a grace. When I'm there, there's a connection. When I'm there, every need's met. When I'm there. But how many know sometimes people go into different things that's not the will for their life? The will also is brought out 500. Listen to this here for just one second. 568 times in the New Testament. 3,400 and sometimes in the Old Testament. And another 32 times the word willing is brought out. How I many know you add that all up? You got over 4,000 references to being in the will of God. Now, go with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 so we can understand. If being in the will of God was what Paul was praying for, then let's find out what God's will is for your life and for my life. And everybody said. Okay, go to Colossians. I Go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And while you're turning over to 1 Thessalonians 5, I'll give you some of the background. Paul's writing over here, chapter 5, verse 16. I believe it says, pray without ceasing. How many know that we need to keep in an attitude of prayer? And then, then, then what does he say? Rejoice always. Well, I don't know about you, but there's times in my life I really don't feel like rejoicing. But what I've learned, like if we're going to be men and women of faith, it's not about how we feel, it's what the Word of God has to say. And that's why when bad things happen to us, when betrayals hit us, and people reject us, and people say things about us that aren't true, how we respond to those people is going to determine the outcome of how God's response is going to be towards us. I've understood this here, and I've learned this here, when I love my enemies and do good to them. What does that mean? An enemy is somebody that is opposed to why I'm here. And so within my community, I actually believe the word of God that says, blessed are you when men speak all manner of evil against you falsely for my name's sake, for great is your reward in heaven. So, so, so how many have ever had people lie about you, defame you, and, and how many know that hurts? Has anybody ever been there? Okay, well, a guy took out an ad in my city, and he took out a full-page ad in the Windsor Star. And in this here ad, he says, we are going to expose the word of faith heretic. Okay, I, I just only happen to be the only word of faith church there. Okay, and, and he puts this here out there, and it was amazing how, how much advertisement and, and how much response he actually got. Because people went there and they heard all the stuff that he said about me. And they were so shocked. And they said, this, this, this is so far out that they actually came to Windsor Christian Fellowship to hear what we were all about because of what he said. And when they came to WCF, the presence of God hit them. They got baptized with the Holy Spirit. Come on now. And, and they went speaking in tongues and they went back and they all get kicked out of there. So here's what the key is, though. When people do that to you, what's your attitude? I send them an offering. I bless them. I, I'm t- I send them an offering. What do you know? And I left the church though. I said, so-and-so said this about us. You guys probably read it in the paper. We just want you to know we love them, and we're just going to send them $1,000 this week. And just write out the check and send it. That's how we do it. Why? Because it's going to help them pay for the ad. Why? 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 Look at it this way. Because hang on, where in the Bible does it say you can lay up a great reward for you? But it says when they lie about you, great is your reward in heaven. So if somebody's lying about me, and what they're saying is not true, i got to go let them know how much I appreciate them. Because they're laying up something for me in heaven that is huge. It's a great reward in heaven because they lied about me. Now, see, I just said something to you because all of us will go through this test in life. And when that test comes, your attitude will determine the outcome that you have. Now, the next verse, look at it right there. So it says, pray without ceasing. And then it says, rejoice always. And then it says, in everything. Say what to your neighbor, in everything. What does it mean in everything? Well, here's what the New Living says. No matter what happens, always be thankful. For this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. You You want to know what God, you want to know the spouse that God has for your life? You want to know the ministry that God has for your future? You want to know where you're to invest? You want to know, be celebrating the revealed will of God by showing gratitude in every circumstance of life. And when you do that, hang on. When you do that, you will be in the center of the will of God. Let me just say it. Whenever you get out of in, into ingratitude, you're out of the will of God. I see people, they, they come in and they're critical in churches. And sometimes what's very sad, it's people that oftentimes have been there a long time. And they oftentimes become very familiar And then they began to take the gift of God. And they began to take the presence of God for granted inside their life. Oh, I'm preaching right now. So hang on. That ingratitude is like a malignant tumor. And it sucks the very life out. And hang on. It's also also like a spiritual disease. Because it's never satisfied staying by itself. It always wants to tell somebody else about their discontentment, wants to tell, I can't tell you how many over the years, and how many know, every church goes through things in their, in, in their history. Come on, church, I'm going to tell you, and I do a teaching on this year, and I'm not going to develop it right now, but every time you go into an expansion, every time you go into a building program, usually there's some form of a church split of some kind. Okay, and oftentimes we always say, you know, oh, it's just the enemy, this and that. Oftentimes it's because God has, wants to take the church further, and he wants to take it longer and bigger and stretch it wider than any other time in its influence. But there's some people there that just aren't going along with the vision. And division literally means a divided vision. I want to tell you, you've got good leadership here. They're quality people here. And the vision that they're casting is not about them. It's not about the Coops heritage. It's about the kingdom of God heritage. Come on. And, 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 and when they cast that vision, you and I need to be the Aaron's and hers that will run alongside them and say, What can we do, pastor, to see this vision that God's given you come to pass? And then we all put our efforts together. We all speak the same thing together like they did in Genesis chapter 11. It said they were all of one language. That's vision. And they spoke the same words. That's the specifics. And what happened? There's nothing that those people could not do for God. In the same respect. Now hang on. In every circumstance of life, give thanks. Why? Because ingratitude is the opposite of being in the will of God. Hang on. In every circumstance, give thanks, for this is the will of God concerning you in Christ Jesus. Hang on. The very next word, hang on, quench not the spirit. Why is it that the author would write right in these here verses, quench not the spirit? God show me, says, every time, A believer gets into ingratitude because the first Thessalonians written to churches. He says, you quench the spirit in your life. Whenever a husband will take for granted his wife or a wife will take for granted her husband, that ingratitude is a paralyzing force that will will hinder the love relationship and the effect of the prayers that God has for the two of them to pray together. Whenever a believer comes and they start and, and they start picking apart the song service, and they say, "Well, we just don 't like that style we just, we, had, we had a lot of our older people we, we we try to bring in the amazing grace and we try to bring in the holy holies, and we do at times come on, but the thrust of what we 're trying to do is generationally so it covers all different styles, and sometimes they 're the older people." They want all the songs to be like the church was 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago. Okay. And so they came up to us one time, and they were just grumbling and murmuring. And and, and Kathy comes up with this wisdom, and she says, I just want to ask you a question. Do you love your grandkids? And they said, well, yes. They said, well, have you ever thought? that maybe the style of worship that we're using today is not just about you and I that are grounded all these years, but it's about connecting the generations. And have you ever wondered the style that you liked is not the style that maybe some of these younger ones like today? And they look and they say, well, we never thought of it that way. Well, maybe you can come now and just hook in with your grandchildren and with your children. And together we can be a generational attitude of gratitude for the good things that God's doing. That your kids are serving the Lord. Because if you don't change your attitude, you're going to see your kids going another way. That stopped it all. Stopped it in the church. And now they just, they're up there clapping their hands. They're up there just doing a little Pentecostal shuffle and the whole thing. Amen? Amen? Okay, so here's the thing. Here's the thing. The word "quench" literally means to exterminate. It means to stifle. It means to listen. It means to suppress. Well, if something is suppressed, how many know it's held back? Now, listen, listen very carefully. You got to get a hold of this here. As a former asthmatic, as a former asthmatic, it literally means to block the airwaves. in the spirit around the passages are blocked, and that's why the prayers go up at times, and it's like, it's like there's a lid there, it's like it's hitting a hindrance up there, and you trace it back, it's because the Spirit has been quenched, are you there? I'll use this illustration, my wife is a a woman that likes ambience. Okay, for you men that understand ambience and you women that understand ambience, you go to a restaurant and it's nicely decorated. Come on. The chandeliers, everything is just beautiful. They got the the fresh flowers. They got it all decorated nice. The waiters are all there. The waitresses are all there. Everything is first class. It's all looking good. That's ambience where you get little portions and you pay big money. Guys kind of like big portions, little money, and you're happy, all right? So this one night, we go to Kathy's favorite restaurant in Windsor, and it's called Spaggles. And over at Spaggles, an Italian restaurant that she really likes, and, and we're up on the top, and we're just having this really romantic meal, the two of us. We're not any interruptions. We're not talking about kids. We're not talking about family. And I can sing the Black Eyed pea song, tonight's going to be a good night. Okay, everything is going just perfect. It is a, a five-star-plus evening. And then the waiter brings the bill. Not <laughs> a lie. He brings the bill, and he puts it down over here. And as soon as he put it down, just I looked at it, and I just a little grumble. It wasn't a big grumble. It wasn't a major thing. It's just like, wow, you know, this is ridiculous. And as soon as I said that, my bride closed up. It shut her down right there. Just shut her down. I came back, and it wasn't the best night. I asked her, how's uh, how's everything? She says, fine. When you get the one-word answers, guys, you know there's something not right. Okay, I'm not a rocket scientist, a marriage counselor, a psychiatrist, a therapist. But when you get the one-word answer, there's something not right. And I came home, and, 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 you know, uh, after the 15 minutes of coming home of agony, because I want to talk and she's not talking, she just shut down. And I realized with that illustration how quick I quenched her. And God, I went into my study that night. And I wrote on this here in the book, this here part. And I wrote in my study. And I went into my study, and God began to download. And that's where this whole book came out It was that night. And God said to me, he says, what you did tonight is what my people do all the time. He says, instead of understanding, instead of rejoicing with the blessing that I have given you, that you can come to a place like this, you can enjoy a great night out because I've provided for you to do so. Yeah. And when you complained, it shut her up. And he says, that's exactly with all the blessing I give to my people. And when they complain, he says, it quenches the spirit. Not that my spirit doesn't want to work. Not that she didn't want to be all, but she couldn't. She was just shut down. And he says, that's what happens when ingratitude comes in. Let me close with this here. Familiarity that can come into a church. You guys got a cutting edge church in downtown Vancouver. I don't hear from your pastors, this is hard ground. I don't hear from your pastors, this is a hard city. I can tell you, I go around churches all over the country, and I hear from them, this is hard area. This is plowing ground. This is, this is rough area. And just the attitude they have is already, and I, I tell them, you don't even love your city. Get out of your city. I can't tell you how many leaders I've told them because the piece that they operate in, which is going to bring the provision, will be directly determined by their attitude. And these pastors love this city. They love the area of downtown Vancouver that you guys are in. They pray for the people in this area. They do everything they can to help you, equip you to reach the people in this area. But I'm going to tell you something, guys. For this cause, for this cause, for this cause, I pray that you would be filled with the knowledge of his will. In all wisdom and spiritual understanding, filled with the knowledge of his will. His will is, in everything, give thanks. Amen. Whenever we start to take for granted the gifts that God has given to us, we're on a spiral course. I don't have time to develop, it. I'll close with this here. In the book of Colossians, he starts off with thanksgiving. And then he goes and he says that you would not only be thankful, you would abound in thanksgiving. Abounding means there's just an overflow inside your life that you're now living for. Come on. And then he says to all the servants in the church, whatever you do in word and deed, to all, to the Lord with gratitude, thanksgiving in your hearts. Hang on. And then Epaphroditus, who was, who was the, the intercessor inside the church, he says he labored for them fervently that they would stand perfect or complete in all the will of God. What is he saying? I'm praying for these here saints that they would never lose their gratitude. And then he says, in Colossians 2, he says, read this here epistle to the Laodiceans. Four more references is in chapter 4. He says, devote yourselves to prayer with thanksgiving. Philippians says, it says, be anxious about nothing, but in everything, come on, church, through prayer, supplications, and giving of thanks for all men. Let your requests be made known unto God. So, thanksgiving sanctifies your prayer life, thanksgiving sanctifies your marriage, Sanctiving, thanksgiving sanctifies your finances, thanksgiving sanctifies your church, thanksgiving sanctifies the leadership, thanksgiving sanctifies the oikos or the spear of influence that you have given. Every one of you has been entrusted by God. You're here tonight because you've been entrusted by God to lead. You're the leadership. Come on. And so every one of you has a responsibility. And I'm giving you guys a simple word. Gratitude will keep you in for the long haul. Gratitude will help you to finish well. Gratitude is what sanctifies the atmosphere for the entire purpose of God to be fulfilled. Can you all say amen? Amen. And when it's there, there's nothing that you can't do with God. Psalm 67 says, give thanks. It says, it says, give thanks to God. It says, praise him. And then what does it say? Let the people praise you. Turn away from their idols and give thanks to you, O God. Let all the people praise you and give thanks to you. And then it says, and then the earth will yield its increase. Okay, understand this here. Then, 3,000. 974 times the word then is used in the Bible. Then means immediately following, immediately afterwards. It says, then the earth shall yield her increase. Coastal church, your days of increase are right here. When the praise and thanks celebration goes up to God, the byproduct directly promised from the word of God is increase, surplus, wealth, restoration is all released upon your life let's stand to our feet glory to god father i thank you for pastors david and cheryl i thank you for the team spirit i thank you for the newest member of the team bill and i thank you lord god that lord they will not break rank i thank you father god they will never forget the passcode that taps into the increase, that taps into the blessing of God, that maketh rich and adds no sorrow to it, that taps into the heavenly realm of the prosperity, of the contentment, of the peace, of the righteousness, of the joy, of the faith in the Spirit, Father God. It's all sealed through that of gratitude. God, every time in their waking moment, of the day, I'm asking that gratitude would permeate their lips. I'm asking tonight that every time the enemy would try to bring anything into their mind, to grumble, to murmur, to complain, to criticize, to just get into that, to get into that quenching mode, I ask that there'd be such a conviction of your grace upon them to say, hey, hey, wait, 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 wait. I don't want to block God's flow. I want to live under an open heaven for my children, for my grandchildren, and the children's children, generations to come. God, every time they come up, and maybe they've had a rough day, maybe they've had a long week, maybe they've had a betrayal, maybe they've had it, then, Father, when they come together, we just covenant with Hebrews 13. Let us offer unto God the sacrifice of praise. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Father, sanctify this house. Keep the atmosphere clean keep it pure, keep it over every home group, keep it over the alpha, keep it over the administration, keep it over the children's area, keep it over the entire staff. And Father, when they see one another, may they celebrate diversity. May they celebrate giftings. May they say, Matt, it is so good to have you on the team and may they lift their pastors daily with thanksgiving to the throne of grace and never lose sight of the gift that God has entrusted to this here house. And we thank you tonight, Father. Now, I, I, I just want to pray and take authority because I'm sensing there's been a little bit of criticalness, not about the church, but it's hitting marriages. And I'm just going to have you all bow your heads. The only one's going to look around, and I'm just going to pray for you, is me. So nobody else, it's nobody else's business. But if that's you, just raise your hand. If that's crept in, it's, I see those hands, okay? I see those hands. I see those hands. Yep. I see all those. Okay. You can put them all down. Now, let's just join together as a family. And let's just say, Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift that you've given us in our spouse Father forgive us tonight for the ungratefulness that has crept in to the depths of my heart from this moment forward help me to appreciate daily with the passcode thank you for my husband thank you for my wife thank you For my children. Thank you for the employer. Thank you for my employees. And thank you for Coastal Church. God, it's a gift to this community. Seal them as one. Bless them and help them to accomplish your goodwill in pleasure. That by even the love that they have, one for another, the entire unregenerate population of the region. Will know that you're yours. Be it done, Dad. Give them the deepest desires of their hearts. To bring in those family members that are estranged from you. To bring in those that are the uh, just, just, that, that, that that fell away, those that allowed something of hell to block them. God, draw them in by the cords of mercy and the grateful heart of the believers here that will stay sweet in spite of the sour situations that would hit their lives. In Jesus' name, we bless them, we thank you that they're sealed, and we thank you that they're healthy, and we thank you that Coastal's best days are still ahead of them. In Jesus' name, Pastor Dave.